Hello everybody, I'm Soren Povasils, sitting here with Ben Rikosh, and this is Paper Thin Thoughts. We, short-sighted, ill-advised, thought-provoking dimwits, speak our truths on trending topics that we experience in our daily lives. And this week we had an incredible, incredible, impromptu, awkward, chaotic, whatever you want to call it, interview with my good friend, Zach Carey. And, you know, I'll say that because I forgot to properly introduce him. I didn't say his name um, because I was too excited for the opportunity. So, again, this is Zach Carey, the current managing editor at Streaking the Lawn, one of the most successful coverage sites of UVA Athletics, uh, a, a, a second year at UVA. I mean, the list goes on. We had a great time with Zach, and then we went to the UVA basketball game and wrapped it up with some nice highlights. Uh, we are thrilled to welcome to the podcast one of my friends that I've known for a while. I got my start and he got our, the, his start at the same company I did, uh, a current second year at UVA and the current managing editor at Streaking the Lawn. Zach, how you doing? Doing well, Ben. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, so we'll get right into it. You and I really got our journey started with the same company, Locker Room Access, um, and so you and I have been close for years now, and I know that with that experience was full of ups and downs for both of us. Yeah. What is one big thing that you could take away from your time with LRA? Um, you know, I mean, I think uh, just just jumping at an opportunity. I think it, you know, in, in sports media, everyone is always sort of curious about like how do you how do you get started? How do you get your foot in the door? And uh, not that I am by any means arrived or where I want to be going, but uh, with LRA, they gave me an opportunity when I really wanted one, and uh, I'm going to be grateful for them for doing that forever. I mean, uh, eventually, you know, I think uh, we both sort of outgrew each other, and it was time for me to look elsewhere, but uh, Locker Room really just, they, they gave me a chance to write, to put my stuff out there, to publish something, and uh, so yeah, just, just trying to jump at any opportunity, big or small, is, is huge. Yeah, and speaking for myself, I can't speak for you, but there are so many valuable relationships that I created those couple of months there, whether it was NBA players, uh, high-ranking media execs, uh, you know, everything between yourself, um, you know, just the people is really what's important in, at the end of the day. And I think that Locker Room Access is filled with great people who I will remember and still, come, still uh, have contact with forever. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I think, uh, you know, they they uh, they made us prove ourselves and, uh, you know, it definitely wasn't easy. And there were definitely times where I was frustrated and, um, you know, went back and forth with those guys. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's not and I talked to those guys on the daily. I mean, Chris Havlicek and I were on the phone just the other day. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, startups like that, sort of smaller businesses, when things get going, not the locker room is still just a startup. They've grown into something much bigger than that. But, um, you know, everybody gets very close and, and those relationships uh, mean something. Yeah, totally. Um, and like like you said, those relationships are super valuable, especially the ones that can get you more relationships, which is what happened to you. From locker room access, you rose to the top quickly. You started at Streaking the Lawn early 2021, I think. 
as nothing more than a writer. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. Back in uh, March or April is, is when I sort of got in contact with them for the first time. And, and yeah, I was writing roughly once a week, although uh, Brian, the former managing editor, will attest that it was definitely not once a week for a while. <laughs> I definitely uh, slacked off for a little bit. But uh, yeah, no, that, that was my initial role with, with Esther Eaton Milan. Well, I, I wanted to get to one thing first before you, we talk about your ascension. You were quickly in the media room as a first year at UVA, and you were surrounded by all these reporters that were double, triple, quadruple your age. Like, Doug Dowdy was 70, 80 years old at that <laughs> point. And you were like a first year, 18, 19-year-old, in the media room with the best college basketball coach in the country. What was that like? Um... It was it was crazy. I mean, uh, to some extent, you know, I, I got lucky that uh, the Caroline Darney, former boss of mine, current uh, writer at, at the USA Today, um, got her new job when she did, so that I was able to fill her shoes as the beat writer for Streaking Along. Yeah. Um, and then she stuck around in town and sort of showed me the ropes for a while, and still does to this day. She's constantly giving me rides places, yeah. and so uh, a lot of that goes to Caroline. A lot of goes to her, sort of giving me tips and advice. Um, here and there, and then it just sort of you gotta pretend like you belong until you actually do. Um, and I'm still doing that today. I'll be doing that for a while, I think. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of not faking it till you make it, but but thinking, sure. trying to trying to convince yourself yeah, yeah. Um, that you know what you're doing. And um, if eventually you get there, that's great. If not, well, what else are you gonna do? Well, it's good that you believed in yourself, but it sure seems like Tony Bennett believed in you too. You know, watching those press conferences, he was he was always pleased with your questions and the depth that you had to say. So what was what was that like, like getting praise from the best coach in the country <laughs> and then Tony Elliott, Bronco Mendenhall, all those guys um, were really welcoming to such a young face in the media room. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I never really got to spend too much time, not that I've spent much time with any of them really, but but with Bronco. Um, but I mean, t- Tony Bennett, he, he's great. I think if anything, he probably recognized I was nervous early yeah. on. He could see me shaking with the microphone yeah. in my hand, so probably wanted to uh, calm me down a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I try and put a lot of thought in my questions, and part of the thing about being a reporter who's 19 in a room of seasoned vets is that you ask the 10th question, and yeah. uh, by the time you ask that 10th question, all the questions that you wanted to have asked, I mean, this happened the other day even, sometimes I get in a little bit earlier, but uh, I had like six questions in my head, and just one by one, the people going in front of me, I had to cross them off, and by the end I was kind of BSing it, but uh, yeah, sure. that's just what you got to do. Well, I'll say you've done a great job at it. Um, and then, you know, as time rolled, rolled along, um, Streaking the Lawn was losing talent left and right. You know, Caroline Don- Darney, as you mentioned, left for her stuff, um, which is great as, I, as far as I know. Uh, Brian stepped down to accept a larger role within Vox Media. Good for him. Uh, and then all of a sudden you were the head honcho at Streaking the Lawn. He promoted you, a rising second year at the University of Virginia, to be the managing editor at the longest-running and one of the most successful UVA sports outlets that you grew up reading. How surreal was that feeling? It was pretty cool. Um, I mean, listen, I I, uh, I can't pretend like there weren't other people that, that could have had the position. It's, yeah. It was more... Uh, Brian sort of turned to me because he knew that I would be someone who would want to do it. Everybody else 
well, before before I became managing editor, everybody else was shooting along had uh, had a family basically. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> they had to you know put their priorities first and and all that. So, but but you know, I mean, Brian Brian, uh, I talk to him daily. He's still giving me advice on on what to do and how to manage a, a website and manage a staff. But yeah, it's awesome. Um, you know, I try not to think about it too much. Uh, I grew up listening to the Street and Lawn podcast with Caroline and Pierce and yeah. Paul. Um, same thing with the articles. And so, if anything, I'm just trying to do the site justice, trying to keep it going, trying to ensure that it doesn't fall off um, with, with me sort of in control and whatnot. And I've been able to bring on a, a number of, of great staff members to help me do that. And, and the people that have uh, that are still with the site and, and have been with it for, gosh, I guess a decade plus yeah. now, um, have been tremendous helps. And, you know, it, it's by no means just me running the thing. It's a, it's a group effort. Well, that's awesome. Two-sided follow-up question here. What has been the most memorable part and your favorite part of leading Streaking the Lawn? And what's been the most challenging part that's gotten you out of your comfort zone? Um, I'll, I'll go challenging first because that's honestly an easier one. Um, managing people. Like, listen, I, my staff is amazing. They do far better work. They know more than me. They they, they really know what they're doing, and, and they're really great at what they do, but trying to make sure that people don't step on each other's toes, that, um, you know, when it comes to just all the things that go into management is not something that I was particularly suited for when I started the role, um, and sort of being in a position of authority, especially for people older than me, um, is something that has taken time to grow into. Not that there's been anything too difficult to have to actually deal with, but uh, that's something been the most challenging uh, most fun. I mean, it's you know, it's nights like these when I get to go cover, go sit in the press box, yeah. go to UVA basketball games for free, sit in a comfy chair, and, and be around all all the people that um, know UVA sports better than anybody else. And so um, that's really awesome. Getting to ask Tony Bennett questions yeah. is uh, surreal, um, as we touched on. But yeah, I mean, th- that's the highlight. It's fun. That's the best part for me. And and uh, yeah, that's why I love doing it. What are you most looking forward to as you grow and as streaking the lawn grows? Um, I mean, maybe this isn't streaking the lawn focused as much, but it'd be really great if we could make a tournament run at basketball this year. Oh yeah, uh, a trip to Houston in in April would be pretty sweet. Yep. Uh, if if we could find a way to swing that, um, that would be awesome. So so that would be something that that I would look forward to. Um. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this was my first year on the football beat. I'm looking forward to year two next year and sort of, uh, you know, hopefully both Tony Elliott and I can grow in mm-hmm. year two. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a little thing. It's just the day-to-day. It's it's uh, getting more opportunities to cover live events as well. That's awesome. And I want to touch on one thing that you – a specific article that you posted a couple weeks ago, maybe it was a month or two ago. Um, it was about the food around Charlottesville. You got a lot of backlash yeah. from that article. Rightfully so. Yeah, well, Rightfully so. Um, how do you deal with, first, talk about that article if you want, but how do you deal <laughs> with that sort of messaging and messages and comments and all that stuff on Twitter, like Tydrome double dribbled or yeah. you name it? Um, when you write for or, or work for a publication that does have the audience that Streaking Online does, you're quick to hit the block button. I'll say that much. Yeah. That's a skill that I have learned uh, is if people piss me off, then they might just not be seeing my tweets anymore. That button's uh, there for a reason, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Um, hopefully Elon doesn't get rid of that anytime soon. Um, <clears throat> but uh, 
that I don't know what that was a shot at. I just had to say something <laughs> about Elon. It's um, okay, we've done it all the time. <laughs> uh, um but but that's something that I've been sort of I've been realizing I need to do more of. And also just taking it all with a grain of salt. Like I am no food expert. I yeah. titled it student perspective. I, I threw student in there for a reason because I knew that people I knew that I would not uh, fully grasp everything that Charlottesville has to offer on the food front, um, even though I, I grew up here a little bit. I mean, I, I, I still don't know everything. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the, the backlash and stuff is just – it comes with the job a little bit. And if you are if you can't handle that, then um, probably should find something else to do. Do you have a specific, like, super creative thing that stood out that someone said to you on Twitter, not like the generic Tydrome double dribble or <laughs> cow guy wasn't fouled? Oh, is there something that made you laugh or whatever? Um, I really, this isn't the food related. I really like it when people make fun of my age. I, oh. I, I enjoy that. I had someone, I made it, it listen, it wasn't a super sensitive tweet, but it, there was something about, um, it was tech losing. I made some joke yeah. about Queen Elizabeth dying and Virginia Tech losing to Old Dominion. Oh, I remember this. And yep. someone called me sophomoric. Uh, <laughs> sophomore, I don't know, whatever. It was a good and, bun. And, and it was good. And and they, they got me uh, a little bit, but uh, I, I always enjoy that because I feel like if, not to, yeah, if people make fun of my age, I feel like I, I, I did something right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And as you were saying, the UVA fan base can be really bad at sometimes but also it's one of the best fan bases i mean look at jpj on a nightly basis what has it been like to interact with the positive aspects of the of uh wahoo nation uh it's, it's great to see the numbers the the clicks the interactions all that stuff that's a lot of fun when uh uva basketball is winning which i mean i i started writing about the team the year after the national championship so there oh, really yeah. hasn't i mean there have been runs but there haven't been runs there hasn't been maybe a, a run like this where they were getting that national acclaim and so website's been running itself a little bit uh which yeah. is nice it's good to see sort of the numbers uh where they are um which is really not due to me or my staff and and the team itself if anything uh, you know uva basketball team um so uh yeah, no, that, that, that's definitely been yeah. nice. The fan base, uh, I have differing opinions on at different times, yeah. for sure. Um, list depending, you know, I'll delete Twitter for, not go on Twitter for a couple <laughs> days, but. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it's fun. It's fun when they're winning. It's less fun when they're losing, but that's just part of the game. Yeah, um, and as you mentioned, we're having a great season this year. Um, and as you know, I may be the biggest Kihei Clark supporter you'll ever find. Um, but how have the minutes between Kihei and Reese worked this year differently than they have last year or the year before, in your opinion? Like, is it just, do we chalk it all up to Ben Vanderplus, um, his shooting and spacing, or is it something, to, did Reese just get that much better? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things, uh, two of which you mentioned there. Yeah, one is Reese got better. Two is they're trusting him more. I mean, it's a big trust is a big thing for Tony Bennett. Um, when he trusts players to make plays for him, he's going to put the ball in, in their hands. And and he didn't trust Reese to the extent that he does now yeah. in, in in seasons prior. Um, and I think that you're seeing Reese grow into that role as the guy on this offense. You're seeing Kihei take more of a secondary creator role, which is probably the the right one for him. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, there's more line of versatility. You can throw Ben Vanderplas into the game. You can go small ball with him and Jaden Gardner. You can have a multiple offense that does different things. Um, and Reese, if anything else, is just an extremely smart basketball player. And yeah. so um, when you give him weapons around him that suit him, not that Jaden Gardner does and not that various players don't, but when you're able to sort of create an offense where he can attack and it's not so clogged up, I mean, it's spacing, it's basketball, it's totally. basketball 101. Um, but when he's able to do that, when he's able to get downhill, and, and you see him, he's stronger, he's more aggressive, he's a better finisher this year, yeah. and he's developing as a three, he's developed as a three-point shooter, he's taking um, shots off off the dribble. Once his mid-range game gets going, you're going to see his game really take off if he can get that that going. And then obviously defensively. So so the balance between Reese and Kie is more just... I, yeah, it's what you said. It's Reese getting better. It's Kihei being able to fit in that secondary role. And then, yeah, yeah. as you said, all those pieces around him are, are, are sort of uh, around Reese are, are complementing him well. And I want to preface this next part by saying we're recording this directly before the JMU game on the 6th, so we have no idea what's about to happen. But, you know, this is an anomaly. This, uh, this year we have two freshmen that are playing high-level minutes at the end of crucial games. And you mentioned trust, and that's not something Tony Bennett usually has in his first years, but I think that these first y- this entire set of first years, whether it's Trout, McNeely, Bond, Dunn, they're all incredible, incredible players, and I think that they have what it takes to be successful in a Tony Bennett system, and that is defense. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think that if you've seen Don and McNeely, I mean, that's who we've seen play. If if you've seen those guys play, where they've stuck, the reason they're in the game is because they're not going to get burned on defense. And if anything, where you're looking for more from them is on offense, specifically with McNeely. Um, But yeah, and it makes sense. Don has that athletic, um, you know, 6'8 build, length, quickness um, that that Bennett's going to love and that if he can maybe apply a little bit more if you can get a little bit more comfortable uh, in the defensive rotations and then do you know hit some open shots on offense and and sort of look for that a little bit more Dunn's uh, sorry Dunn's role is only going to grow yeah Uh, for McNeely I think he needs to be probably more aggressive on offense searching for his shot he's got a little bit of a dip in his shot motion um, that I've been touching on from time to time and he's going to be a great player great dude great family um don't get me wrong, but but he needs to try and get his shot off a little bit quicker and be more aggressive in hunting for that. He's very sound defensively. He just doesn't have the maybe the length and the quickness um, that, that Dunn has. So you're going to see those guys continue to grow into roles. Maybe the test for this team's ceiling is going to be how much can they give you? Yeah. Can they give you 15 to 20 minutes? Can they sort of break out onto the scene and, and sort of uh, be that X factor? In a I, think, I think a lot of people I've been seeing have been saying Ben Vanderplas is the X factor for this team, but I really think it's Isaac McNeely. You can tell when he has a good game and when he has a bad game, and it's clear that the team's performance, it doesn't depend on it, but it's much, much better if he has a good performance. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, uh, Isaac, I think you're waiting for his big game against good competition. Not good, you're looking for his a big game from him against sort of that, that top tier, yeah. um, top of the ACC, top of non-con, and, and you might get to see that against Houston um, in 11 or so days. Uh, but, yeah, the test is going to come later in the year. It was unreasonable to expect them to be huge contributors against Baylor and Illinois and Michigan this early in their careers. Um, mm-hmm. But but they've got time. Um, the ACC is not great, um, to, to put it uh, kindly, but they're going to get opportunities to, to play big minutes, and, and hopefully for, for UVA by the end of the year, they're at that point where they can be that sort of X factor. For sure. We'll touch on this more later, 
but I, I was just curious if you had to pick one off the spot, which Wahoo, current, former, already in the NBA, do you think will be the next all-star? Could be on the roster now, uh, could be on an NBA roster. Yeah, I'd go Trey Murphy. I mm. think uh, that guy's ceiling is ridiculous, and uh, he's already sort of like, he's already having a breakout season yeah. in his second year while primarily being a 3 and D guy. And I think that he has more to his game with the spacing that, mm-hmm. that the NBA has. I honestly haven't been able to watch him enough this season. Um, but pr- probably Trey, just because of being 6'10", a 40% yeah. three-point shooter and, and having the quickness that he does. So I'd go Trey. Um, DeAndre Hunter, maybe, yeah. if he can sort of get things together a little bit. I think Malcolm Brogdon, he's in a great role right now, but it's probably not going to reach all-star <laughs> level, unfortunately. It's been right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Celtics are on fire. Yeah. Um, um, my pick would be come – I mean, Trey is obviously my pick, but if I had to pick a second, I would say Reese Beekman come 2026. I think that's a safe bet. Yeah. I mean, I think the question for Reese is it's it's the easy one. It's the shot. It's, it's how – um, consistent can that be? I think right now you're looking at his ceiling being, and someone else said this, but uh, might have been Sam uh, Viceni uh, on mm-hmm. one of the athletic podcasts. But sort of the the comp to him would be like a Patrick Beverly type role. Obviously, yeah. offensively they're they're different. Reese is probably more of a pure point guard um, in, in that sort of scenario. But sort of like that sixth man defensive stopper, throw throw him in the game and and sort of like mess with opponents um but but if if he starts to put put the pieces together there's no reason that he can't um have a an even higher ceiling than that but but yeah there's a lot of little things that he has to clean up yeah for sure uh one quick thing before we get to our uh patented draft um but what is one great piece of advice that someone has given you in your life that you want to share with everybody listening uh, yeah, this was actually uh, a writer for The Athletic named Dana O'Neill, who does a lot of great college basketball stuff. Um, I was emailing with her, gosh, two, two and a half years ago, and she essentially told me, um, and this is when I was I was looking for even more opportunities outside of, of locker room access because I, I was really grateful mm-hmm. for what they did for me, but I, I wanted to do even more. Definitely. And she said, listen, like, in a, in a sports media business, and this won't probably apply to, to tons of other professions, but... Don't worry about the name on the website or the name of the yeah. business that you're working for. Focus on the content because the content will get you where you want to go if you put the emphasis, emphasis and the effort into that. Awesome. Um, and yeah, I think that I, I think it can apply other places. Don't don't worry about where you're at. Worry about what you're doing a little bit. Awesome. Well, I think that leads us perfectly to our uh, patented draft. We uh, do a three pick draft. Uh, you'll go first because you're the guest, and then Storm will go, then I'll go. The topic today is uh, who's in the NBA that are currently NBA, in the NBA to play on a 3v3 tourney. Okay. okay. your first pick here. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, man. Um, there's a lot of good options here. If we're going 3v3, I, I think I need Malcolm Brogdon. I, I think I need Malcolm. I think I need a ball handler. I can get a wing and an outside shooter later on. I think I need to start with Malcolm. My turn? Um, Sorry, guys. I haven't been on this one too much because I'm not a big uh, basketball guy. But um, I'm going off people that I've seen names of or know them a little bit. And I saw DeAndre Hunter in a YouTube video, so I'm going to go with him for my first pick. That's a good pick. 
I was I was thinking about that one. Yeah, that's not a bad pick, especially to build your three v three team around. I'm gonna go with uh, my guy Trey Murphy. Yeah, that's he can light up the basketball court, but he also is you know an all around great human being, and I would really like to have him on our team. Get some highlight reels. Get some of that uh, jersey money. I, I think it, I'm I'm gonna stick with Boston. Uh, I think I got to go Sam Hauser. I mean that the, the the games that, that him and, and Malcolm have been playing this year off the bench are brought for Boston uh, have been quite impressive. Sam's been impressive defensively uh, relative to expectations. So I think pairing those two guys together, I got some size, I got some shooting, I got some playmaking, feeling good about that. Producer note, Sam Hauser, I don't even know if it's still true, but at least like a week ago he had the highest P, uh, uh, plus minus in the entire NBA. And Malcolm's number one in three-point shooting. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, second second pick going here. Another name I've seen before is Joe Harris, and he plays for the Nets, which I know is a pretty decent team in the modern day. Yep, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. Good pick. Um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Mamadi for my second pick. Oh, I wanted him. I thought he was gonna fall to me. Mamadi, oh, that's a great Mamadi pick. Trey is that's a fantastic a, pick. Ben. A duo at UVA we never got to see, and I wish we did. Oh, yeah, that is a really, really, really good pick. Um, making me think now. We're doing strictly NBA. All right. Well, then I think he's going to struggle against the length of some other guys, but I think if I can pair Malcolm and AG together, there's some good chemistry there. I was thinking about, like, Jay Hoff. I think I'm forgetting where. I think he's still with, he's still on the, Lakers. He's still with the Lakers. Yeah. Um but I, oh, I, I'm, I'll stay. I, I made my pick, Anthony Gill. Um, again, uh, third pick, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I'm regretting um, my lack of length, but we'll be okay. I saw. I know. I know. OKC has a player that I was. Yeah, Ty Jerome. That's who I was looking at because I know that didn't Westbrook play there? He's one point. Yeah, Westbrook played there one time, so that's got to be a decent team. That's solid. That's, yeah, that's solid. Again. Solid pick. I'm gonna close it out. You made my pick easy. I was going between uh, Ty Jerome and the guy you mentioned, Jay Huff. Yeah. I'm gonna pick Jay Huff. We're gonna have Mommy. We're gonna have Jay Huff. We're gonna have Trey Murphy. We're all size, no ball. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you know it's not necessarily bad if you're on a three v three tournament in the uh, park. But. <laughs> That's all we have for you today, Zach. Thank you uh, so much for joining us in this crazy impromptu in the rain podcast. Of we course. Really appreciate I, it. So much fun. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the highlights. Ben, where are we today? We're uh, keeping it consistent through this episode. We're uh, in the car right now. It's raining and pretty fun i would say it's a little awkward a little chaotic sitting in the parking lot with microphones but make it work feels like a zoo or like a live <laughs> performance but we're caged in i mean it's kind of cool it's a cool environment but um you have a quote for us or a tweet today i do i want to share my own tweet okay um so as you know we did our uh primary segment of this episode on uva basketball with my good friend zach carey and that was an awesome time and then we went to the game afterwards and I just want to reiterate how much uh, I like Kia Clark. Uh, you found that out. And yep, a lot of yelling. 
<laughs> in, in a good way. Very passionate. Yeah. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, I tweeted out, uh, put zero in the rafters. Zero is Kia's number, and I absolutely think that Kia's number should be retired. I said this um, last spring when he was, you know, supposedly calling it quits and then decided to come back. Um, but I really think that Kia's number should be retired. I mean, I can think of only a handful of better and more impactful point guards that ever put on a UVA jersey. Um, so, you know, I'm really thankful that Kihei decided to come back for another year. And, you know, I, I'd love to see it in the rafters one day. Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, zero is a good number to retire. Yeah. It's a pretty, um, I don't know, debatable number. Most people don't think of it as a number, but I guess in basketball it is definitely a thing. In soccer it's not a number, which is pretty yeah, pretty zero, weird. I don't zero know and double zero are, are, are both a thing in basketball. Really? Double zero? Double zero. It's a big thing. That's um, crazy. More so in the NBA than college, but okay. huge thing. And I think that Kihei super maximum deserves to have his number retired. I think that at least one player of the national championship team deserves that, and Kihei is the one that should get the nod. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, We had another World Cup check-in with returning guests, Jacob Engel and Mr. Manning. Uh, let's hear what they have to say about the round of 16 and soon to be round of eight. Welcome back, guys. We're here for another weekly World Cup update. Joined again by Mr. Manning and Jacob Engel, two football enthusiasts. Ben, let's get into some of these questions. Yeah, first of all, thank you, gentlemen, for taking the time again. You uh, made the cut to come back. Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, hope you've been enjoying the World Cup so far. First, yeah. Oh, yeah, I want to get... <laughs> I want to get right into it. The uh, round of 16 was full of some great games, but, you know, some games that went into PKs, uh, overtime, all, all those fun things. Which was, what game, if you had to pick one, was the most fun to watch for you? Jacob, go first. Mm, uh, it's a tough call. I always like watching the, the underdog win, and that did not happen at all, except for Morocco's win over Spain, which is good. But, uh... There were not really any other, um, pretty much all the favorites won. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite game to watch, I mean, I wouldn't say favorite or enjoyed, <laughs> All right. but <laughs> I watched intensely mm-hmm. the U.S. game All right. versus and the Netherlands. Uh, what, were, what were some of your takeaways from that game? Hard to watch. <laughs> Um, <laughs> defense was shocking. <laughs> Actually, yes, the, the tracking back on defense was horrible. Uh, I mean, to the Dutch credit, they had a lot of quality on the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, they sat back, um, let us think that we had some kind of chance, and then when they won the ball, quality passes played through and come? executed their first finish, first opportunity they had. And, and that's that's what you get with with good with good soccer players. Yeah, Mr. Manning, you were touching on this last week, but how do you think that injuries played a role into this game? Because it seems like both teams were a little banged up, and um, obviously that affected the outcome in some way. I definitely think kind of going through it. Um, just kind of touching all the games. Honestly, I really didn't have a chance to watch many of them because I have, you know, have to work for a living. 
I know. Mm -hmm. Many of us did not uh, have that saying. We chose to watch the games regardless. Uh, I think that for the U.S., injuries played a tiny role, but I really would not say that was the reason why they, they got completely outclassed. I mean, you could argue some kind. You have some conversations about the substitution patterns and how you could say that some of the guys were a little gassed. But at the same time, I'm not like they're all world class athletes, and they all get banged up in season. That happens. And they're only playing three games. And honestly, I mean, they played three games in what? A week and a half period? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not an unreasonable amount of games, especially for those of them that, are in, that might be in high-level teams between the various tournaments, between Champions League. I, so, like, I wouldn't... The only real issue is, I guess, Josh Sargent was out. Yeah. But I, I don't honestly think he would have made a big difference as a nine. I mean, that whole game showed that the way the U.S. plays, I don't think they need... They really didn't need a nine. They didn't need a, strike, a center forward, and I know some people would argue they, they might because they didn't score, but, I mean, it didn't solve their problems. I mean, as Jacob pointed out, like, the, the three goals they gave up are, that's U12 challenge. I mean, they're, like, <laughs> yeah. Tyler Adams can't, you can't lose the Dutch's highest, like, score at the top of the box 10 minutes in. And that was honestly surprising to me because in the group stage, the U.S. didn't let up a lot of goals. Mm. So seeing the score of that game be 3-1, to one, was a pretty surprising result. Yeah, but I think it showed a little bit of the difference between group play and when you actually get to the knockout stages. I mean, group play, you can afford sometimes to hold back. You don't play all your cards because you know it's a game of, you're playing three games. And it kind of, I mean, it reminds me, I want to say it was in 2012, it was a while ago, but when the U.S. hosted the Copa America mm -hmm. and they made it, they played Argentina, they made it like the semifinal of the thing, and they played Argentina. And the U.S. got a goal early on to make it one nothing, It was almost kind of like what you were talking about, Jacob. Like, you kind of felt like the first 10 minutes the U.S. was really in it. And it could have happened because Pulisic had one that he would love to have back. But in that Argentina game way back in 2012, the Argentina just, like, completely outclassed the U.S. and just broke them down in very, I would say, basic ways. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the Dutch game was similar to that. I mean, the goal the U.S. got was, I don't think that, you know, I don't think Haji Wright could do that again if he tried. Um, and it's like you can't give up a second goal like that with less than 15 seconds left in the half. And you can't yeah. definitely can't give it up in a way. Serginio does as many things. He's not a, he's not really a defender. I mean, he's probably his wing back would be his position so he could be covered by another center back because he I mean he completely fell asleep on the guy. And it's not. I mean, Soren, you can speak as someone who's played center back. Like that was his guy. He should have been like it was the farthest guy on the outside. The center back is not the one looking for him. That should be your outside back's job to find him. And he completely lost him. Yeah. In the formation they were playing, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, moving on, I think that this World Cup could be categorized as the tournament of upsets. There was a big upset in round of 16. <laughs> could you, though, Ben? Could you? There have been a lot of upsets. There's, I, there have been upsets in the group stage. There have been, like, three. Yeah, Argentina. Okay, well, it's, a, it's a lot. Keep going. Keep it's a lot. Right, right. That's fair. There, there was a big, huge upset in the uh, round of 16, Morocco over Spain. Did anyone see that coming? I, I, all right, nobody, I didn't, I told one person, Jacob but saw I, it I coming. saw it coming. <laughs> no, I was, I was just hoping for it coming. I didn't see it yeah. coming. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was also hoping for uh, Japan to win over Croatia. Yeah. Um, and they had a really good chance in um, uh, in real play. They, but 
I think everyone could kind of agree if it went to PKs, um, there was no way Croatia was going to lose in PKs. Mm -hmm. Uh, The experience advantage just gives so much, especially from being um, in a Euro final Mm -hmm. um, before with with a similar group of players and the previous World Cup final, which went into PKs, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was fine with that game because those were my top two teams that wanted to win, Croatia and Japan. So I didn't have a I didn't have any problem with Japan getting out, but one one thing I did not like to see is uh, uh, Korea getting eliminated. Mm-hmm. It was a very entertaining game to watch, only because of Sun. Yeah, Sun is like one of the most I don't know genuine people, and obviously had a lot of passion out on the pitch. It was hard to see them go, but it was an entertaining game because they got scored on. Yeah. What was it four yeah. one? But yeah. definitely. All right, so now on to the round of eight. There are plenty of star-studded matchups, including England versus France, Mm -hmm. Morocco versus Portugal, Croatia versus Brazil, and the Netherlands versus Argentina. Jacob, you go first. Do you have a matchup you're particularly excited for? France versus England is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that's the easy answer. But it's a good easy answer. answer. I will say that's a dangerous game. I, that is a game I actually see the English. I could see them losing it yep. by three. Mm-hmm. I could see them losing by three goals because that like Senegal, they won three nothing against Senegal, but Senegal also missed some chances that would have made that a very different game. I would be very curious. I'm not 100 percent sold on the English defense. Maguire, Harry Maguire, like and there's and the friend like Mbappe right now, like he is by, he's the best player in this tournament. Yes, and it's not even close. Mm-hmm. So it's clear. We'll see. I mean, Charleston's done pretty like an excellent job. So you got something to say about that statement as well. That would be my. I would be curious to see. I could see that game getting way out of hand for England because they have been living on the edge a little bit. Seems like France's offense though is you know if they get out in front quickly, then it'll be hard to come back from mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, One thing I I was shocked by is I I was surprised uh, Portugal yesterday. They looked pretty good. And now they're on my radar for maybe a top four team. Yeah. Going into the quarters. They they play really well, beating. I mean, they just kept scoring and scoring and scoring. It was six or seven one. It was six to one. Six one. That that was a good game for sure. Yeah. Um, any any final predictions for the round of eight or for any, any games going forward? Let me let me make an excellent prediction here so who's who's playing who it's argentina and um, argentina and netherlands okay so argentina's winning that uh you have a goal France, prediction score uh 3-1 all right Interesting. and then right and then confident and then france versus england it's gonna be a 1-0 win for france mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. portugal morocco is that the game portugal morocco yes. portugal morocco 4-1 portugal hmm. uh who else is playing? Croatia, who? Croatia, Croatia Brazil. Brazil. Croatia, Brazil. Brazil wins 3 0. Huh. And is that it? And that's it for the round of eight. Those are my predictions. Um, Interesting predictions. They're all going to be right, too. Yeah. Well, uh, we really appreciate you gentlemen taking the time again. If you have anything else to say, now's your time. But uh, enjoy the World Cup. I think, uh, I think your prediction of Argentina is a little too strong. Uh, I think. You would say they scraped by Australia, and how do you scrape by Australia? <laughs> I, they don't even have a league. All right, they do, but it's... They also lost 2-1 to 
Saudi Arabia. But they will have a lucky game. That's what I'm thinking. A lucky game. All right. A game. lucky game. They've been scraping by, is all I'm saying. All right. Well, I think – no, I don't think Brazil and Argentina make it. I think one of them loses. I don't know which one. But I am not – I don't. I think one of them is going to falter because the pressure is going to get a little too much. I don't think Brazil is going to falter. We'll see. You didn't, everybody said that when they were playing Germany. And then. <laughs> I think right now, though, it's France's tournament to lose. I would. I think that is a fair statement. The Portugal, if, you know, Portugal. Chalk, if we get followed shock, Portugal has something to say about that in the semifinals. Portugal is looking really strong for me, in my opinion. Yeah. I see them doing some cool stuff. Special, uh, especially Bruno Fernandes. He's probably sure. he's like the most well-rounded player in the whole tournament right now. Sure. In terms of accuracy and stuff, so. Yeah. I thought it was funny to see Cristiano Ronaldo get in. <laughs> it's because he's old. Yeah. And Ramos, Ramos get a hat trick in his place. <laughs> yeah, it's it's because he's old and uh, he's he's got that World Cup experience. So if he was to ever be put in the game, it would probably be. A, probably later in the game because he's not as fit so he can't run uh full halves anymore so if they need some a smart player to go in at the end of the game they'd probably put him in but sure. start off the game and you fresh legs and the knowledge that he can pass on to the younger players is valuable yep <laughs> all right i would hope so a lot of knowledge uh that's it thank you guys so much yeah thanks y'all let's get right into the guess who said it ben Let's see if you can guess who said it. I'm going to present a quote. I hope I can turn it around. And Ben has to guess who said it. Uh, Christmas-themed episode. Mm. We've got... Holiday. Ready for the quote? Ready. Every gift is a little piece of Santa. Now, Ben, I haven't given you the option to look at these people yet, but the two people that are up for debate here are either Santa or Scrooge. Oh, now, while I'm thinking of the answer to this question, I want you... Want to want to let you give the people reason to why you pick this quote? Is there something you like about it, or do you think it uh, rings true or what? I think that um, well, I'd say not. I don't. I don't think it's true. Not every gift is a little piece of Santa because if your birthday is in June, are you going <laughs> to be really thinking about Christmas holidays and Santa and Depends all that stuff? Depends on who you ask. Depends on who you ask. That is true. But yeah, I'd say. Uh, no, it's not applicable to all terms of gift giving. Um, in the month of December, it's pretty chill, but otherwise, it's not really relevant. Ben, do you have your verdict? I think I'm going to go with Santa on this one. If the options are between Santa and Scrooge, I th- I'm going to come out on the W side, hopefully, this week. First time in a while, and uh, yeah. Okay, Ben. Um, But would it be Santa if... He was talking about himself. I feel like he's not a selfless person. I'm trying to help you out here, Ben. Because we got we got to see it. We got to see a rare Ben W. I kind of think so because I don't think that um, Scrooge would ever be this positive. What about towards it, the end it, of the movie? With regards to Christmas or not, I think that um, Scrooge is known for being quite of a Scrooge. Yeah, and uh, so that's why I picked Santa. All right, I'm gonna give you one final option to switch. Ben, are you sticking with it, or are you going to switch? It. Let's stick with it. Guys, Ben has done it. I got the win? He finally won. Oh! This first, or probably second, 100%. Cue the hype music. Hype music inserted now. Ben, how do you feel after that victorious Man, I'm, feel- I'm feeling guess. victorious. Thankful to everybody who got me here. Yep. Um, you know, Anyone you want to shout out? I want to... 
I want to shout out you first of all for coming up with these great questions. <laughs> um, and you know, I just hope that I can continue the streak into the next few episodes and into the new year. Perfect. All right. You want to you want to introduce us to the quick question of the week, Ben? Yeah, this is an interesting question. Quick question of the week. It took Soren and I both. 10-15 minutes to get the answer to and that's why I'm really interested to hear what the kids in the hall have to say but before that uh, Soren, what movie would be better if it were a holiday movie? I said Talladega Nights because it's got its fair share of food which I feel like could turn into a Christmas feast I know that the main meal in the show was a really big arrangement of just fast food it looked pretty good, and mm. imagine like a Christmas duck in there. That'd be pretty cool. Oh wow! And it's just a funny movie all around. Great actors, so I think if they had a Christmas twist on it, it would add some good um, humorous effect. Yeah, for sure. Ben, uh, what do you got down? My movies, my movie that I picked. Well, I couldn't pick one, so I went with two here. I picked it uh, either the 2016 or 17 version. I don't know what year it was released. Or the version that was released uh, back in the 20th century. Um, I think that it would be pretty funny if Pennywise was like the Santa or something. For sure. Do you think Santa would have all that makeup on? Or would he just like just be Santa being creepy? Well, that would be part of the movie. It would be yeah. like Pennywise, Santa and with a big red balloon. and. Oh, yeah. Same plot? Or twisting up the plot? I don't know. That's a that's a good question. Do you remember when the movie takes place? Like, if it's in the summer or the winter? I think it's in the. S- Some of it's in the summer. I don't know. I, I I think it's sweater weather. Gotcha. That's, so maybe All like right. fall spring. Yeah. So so that that'd be something interesting to ponder. Um, but my second movie that I picked would be Jumanji. I think it's a classic. Either the new one or the old one with The Rock and Kevin Hart. Great movie. Um. So yeah, that's my, that's my other pick. I you know, I want I don't think that Kevin Hart and The Rock have done many Christmas movies themselves, so that would be pretty fun to see for sure. Um, but yeah, those are my answers. Would you I'm say that they are the most dynamic duo in all of uh, film? You know, we talked about this in a previous episode, but you know, they're one of my favorite duos just to watch in general. Um, no matter if it's in interviews and movies and. TV shows, y- you name it. I, you know, two of them have great chemistry and for sure, it's it's real yin and the yang there. Um, big and small, big and small, fat and tall. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Uh, let's hear what the kids in the hall had to say about this uh, challenging question it was challenging, that we got but this it week. Led to some good discussion. Yeah. Alright everybody, I'm here with a special guest to introduce yourself for everybody, please. Hello, my name is Stella Gunn. Alright, Stella, what movie would be better if it were a holiday movie, in your opinion? Um, I think that The Social Network would be better if it was a holiday movie because personally it was really hard for me to watch that man talk for that long. Um, so I think if we could just add some like fun, like maybe like a narrative where he finds out that he's a homosexual, um, maybe like he works as in a mall as like a Christmas elf or something like that. I think that would really spice it up um, and make it more entertaining for me to watch. But um, yeah, I think that'd be really good. It would definitely add an extra storyline in a dramatic movie. So yeah, yeah, I'd really give it some nuance, I think. Yeah. Good answer. Thank you. 
back with kids in the hall here. Who are we with today? I'm Claire. Claire, if uh, you could make any movie into a holiday movie, what movie would that be? Um, my favorite movie is The Wolf on Wall Street, so I think it would really be elevated if there were some Christmas elements in it. Good choice. Has Leo ever done a Christmas movie? I don't think so, so I think that would be a good thing to see. <laughs> um, does Titanic count? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Actually, uh, I would say so. Is there a Christmas tree in the movie? Actually? No. If there is, then it's a Christmas tree. Alright, well, we'll put that poll up so everybody can vote. Uh, thank you for your time, Claire. You're welcome. This has been the Paper Thin Thoughts Podcast. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform and we would really appreciate a rating. And remember to leave us a question that could potentially be answered in a following episode. As always, I'm Soren Povasils, accompanied by Ben Rikosh. Keep up the thin thoughts and stay tuned for next week's episode. Paper Thin Thoughts is produced by the Shawsville High School Podcasting Network. Executive producers are Jen Horn and Dave Stipe. Senior producers are Ben Rikosh and Swan Povasils. This episode was edited and mixed by Ben Rikosh. Music is produced and created thanks to Jacob Lighthorn, Miss Waters, and the CHS music production team. Thank you to Mr. Rashad Pitt and the rest of the CHS faculty and staff for the support. BTT out. PWT out.